is further back in the Bible. If you're flipping through your Bible and you see John, that is not 1 John, that's the Gospel of John. But you keep going and you'll find toward the end of the Bible, there's 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John just before Revelation, uh, before the end of the book. And uh, we're going to go to 1st John, we're going to go to chapter 2, and I just want to read three scriptures to us today. Uh, and I'm preaching under this title, Temporary or Eternal. Temporary or Eternal. Choosing the important. Choosing the important. How many of us, we want to spend our time on the important things in this life? We want to spend our energy, we only have so much of it, who's ever run out of energy? Me. Uh, we only have so much energy, I want to put that toward the important stuff. I only have so much time, who's run out of time before? I've run out of time, and we're all given the same amount. I want to put my time toward the important things. And even in finances, and we could go on and on into all the things that we have limitation with, we want to put them toward the important things. But we need to understand what we so often desire in this life is really of no significance when we compare it to the matter of our eternal soul and eternity. First John 2, John wrote this in his letter. In verse 15, he said, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's a pretty strong statement. Verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Abides forever. I want to preach today under that title, Temporary or Eternal. What I notice about what John writes is he says that there are two contrasting things. There is the world, a system in which we live, and then there is the kingdom of heaven, the Father's uh, kingdom. And there are opposing forces that try to work on our attention and try to pull us in two separate directions. And the world, if we think about the world, it's a system of things. It's a system of possessions. It's a system of pleasures. It's a system of pursuits that really are only temporary. And John pointed that out. He said all of that stuff that we value so much, it's all passing away. It's not going to be here for eternity. It's here and it's gone. And I'm not going to talk this morning about you should reject everything in this world and you should live a monk lifestyle. That's not what I'm talking about. I just want you to know and understand that all of the things that you value, whether it's possessions, your pursuits, hobbies, the uh, passions that you pursue, all of these things in this world, they're very, very temporary. They're not going to be here forever. I have some things that I really enjoy. I've got a set of golf clubs that... I've had fit to my a uh, little bit extra height, and I really value those. I, I enjoy playing a good game of golf. I hate it when I play a bad game of golf, but I enjoy the good games. But I also understand that those golf clubs, when it comes to eternity, those things are not going to be here. I can't take them with me. 
The only things that I can take with me into eternity is my soul and the character that I established here and the relationships and the things that I've built my family upon and the people that I care about and love. Those are the only things that are going to survive eternity. Everything else is going to burn. Say it's going to burn. That thing that you value so much, it's going to burn. That car that you're killing yourself to pay for, it's going to burn. That house that you're killing yourself to meet the mortgage note, it's going to burn. All of the things that we value in this world, they will not be here in eternity. And we should never be confused with understanding what God says and what His Word says. Loving the world is unacceptable. Doesn't mean you can't enjoy some things. Doesn't mean you can't live your life in a certain way to enjoy the time that you have here. But he's very clear. He says, loving the world is not an acceptable thing. If you love the world, the love of the Father cannot be in you. And living in two parallel worlds is unacceptable as well. We cannot love the world in one hand and on the other hand reach out and try and love God and stretch ourselves across two worlds. They're incompatible and our lives will be incomplete. We have to commit to one or the other. Jesus said you can't serve mammon and God. Because if you have one master or two masters, you'll love one, hate the other. You have to choose. And so John defines this thing for us as the world. And we have to know and understand we all have the potential to fall in love with the things of the world. Paul said of Demas, he has forsaken me because he loved the world. So it's within your possibility and my possibility that we get entangled into this world and there's nothing that the enemy of our soul would love to do more than entangle us in the cares of this life. If you look at Jesus and what he talked about with uh, um, the sowing of the seed, the, the seed that goes out in the different types of ground, what you see there whenever he talks about those different grounds is you see the world plays a major part we can't love the world and at the same time fulfill what God has called us to. So John defines this thing, the world, that we all have the potential of falling in love with. And the world consists of this. He said it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And he says none of those things are of the Father. None of those things are of the Father. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And so it brings us to the real issue. 1 John 2, 17. The world is passing away. And the lust of it, all of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the world, the whole system, all of the things attached to the world, those things are passing away. But he who does the will of God provide, or abides forever. I almost said provides forever. In a sense, maybe God does provide forever for that person. But abides forever. So think about this. Everything that belongs to this world, 
He said it's passing away. Everything in this world is rapidly changing. How many of us can say, you know, in our lifetime, the world has changed? The world has changed. My son and I were having a discussion the other day, and he was telling me some fact about uh, Nintendo. And when Nintendo started, the, apparently it was a gaming, before it was a gaming system, they made board games. I didn't know this. I just remember when the Nintendo came out when I was a kid, and he had the gall to ask me, were you alive then? It was back in like the late 1800s. It's like asking me if I was alive when Hasbro started. No, I was not alive. I was alive when they brought in the computer gaming system. Think about that, though, for a minute. The world is continuously changing. And it's continuously locked in the state of passing away. It's changing because it is passing away. You think about our own lives, the condition of life. A baby becomes a child. child becomes a youth. Youth becomes an adult. The adult gets into middle age. Middle age progresses into old age. Constantly changing. Consistently changing. Because passing away. Our lives are brief and they change so rapidly we could make them, we could say it's like a river. A river that is constantly in change and forever rolling onward. When I was a kid, we lived in Louisiana and we lived right up against the Mississippi River. My elementary school, when I was in fifth grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, was right under the levee of the Mississippi River. And I don't know if you know this about the Mississippi River. The reason they build those levees is so it doesn't move. Because it's constantly trying to change direction. There's such a volume of water moving. And I remember when I was in fifth grade, they kept talking about how this fault line that runs from Louisiana to Missouri was going to have uh, a major earthquake, right? It's one of those end-of-the-world cataclysmic things everyone's expecting to happen. And so they're waiting on this earthquake, and they said, scientists have determined it's going to happen this certain day. And I can remember showing up to school and being like one of the four kids in class that their parents didn't love them. Because they sent us there that whenever the earthquake would happen, we'd be flooded out and die. I'm being funny. My parents didn't believe that would happen. And it didn't happen. I'm still here. And it's not because I'm a great swimmer. But I can remember... In, in learning and, and being in that area, and we would go fishing there, and they'd always say, you know, don't, don't walk on the banks because it's constantly washing out, and it'll drag you under, and it's trying to move outside of its banks because there's one thing that's consistent with the river is constant change, and there's one thing consistent with your life and my life and this world. No one can stop it. There's constant change it's forever rolling onward and it will crush you 
the crazy thing is that we act as though this is forever. John says the world is passing away. Life is passing away. No one can change that fact. No one can stop that fact. But we bury our head in the sand like a proverbial ostrich and act as though nothing is happening. But there's change. Even our desires are changeable. When I was younger, I played football. I played basketball. Now, I golf and I fish. Because I'll die if I get a basketball in my hands. Because I I have it up here in my mind. I'm like, oh, I'm taking it to the house. I'm going to dunk on this person. And my body's saying, no, you're not. I learned the last time I was feeling pretty good about myself. I got out there with some younger guys and I hurt myself pretty bad. And then on top of that, to add insult to the injury... I was just sore and tired for days, days. But my desires have changed. I don't desire to pick up a basketball any longer. I want to golf and I want to fish. Possessions change. Think about all the possessions in this world. They quickly age. How many of us in here, we have a vehicle that's 20 years old? No one? 15. No one. Ten. I've got a ten-year-old one. Five. Two. You see, change. I'm not going to have the same vehicle I had in high school. It changes. It changes. It's consistently changing. Even our possessions. You think about every year, uh, Apple or Samsung or any of these phone makers... They put out a new model every year. Why is that? They're tapping into the fact that we know life changes and progresses so rapidly. The computer I have in my pocket is stronger than the one I wrote most of my papers in and on in high school because of change. But think about change in the sense of things that people get trapped in, that we get trapped in. The lust of the flesh. That's our desires. You think about the story, if you've never read it in Daniel, first few chapters of Daniel, you have the story of Belshazzar and Daniel. Belshazzar, in his pursuit of fulfilling his own lust, what he does is he brings the vessels of the Lord from the Lord's house in Israel that he has conquered, and he brings them to his party of drunkenness and a feast with his lords and his wives and his concubines and he's there having a good old time fulfilling the lust of the flesh and a hand appears begins to write on the wall in a script that he does not know and does not understand and he calls for someone to give him what that writing means and he finally finds Daniel and he offers to Daniel he said I'll give you a gold chain around your neck I will give you and make you third ruler in the kingdom if you'll make known to me what this says. Daniel said, you can keep your gifts. I'll tell you what God has said for nothing. You hang on to your prestigious position. 
I'll tell you what this says. And he begins to tell him that because that their gods have become their own, their own bellies have become their gods, that they're going to be judged. And that night he would lose the kingdom that he had raised up. Think about that contrast. Belshazzar, who's being judged by God, is fulfilling his own lust, even with the things of God. Whereas Daniel, the man of God, who sees and understands and hears the voice of God, has no desire for the position, and he doesn't desire the material wealth that Belshazzar is offering him just because he can read what's written on the wall. Belshazzar fulfilled the things in his life with lust. Daniel was not entrapped by those things. The desires of the eyes, this is covetousness. It's having to have that latest thing or looking at someone else and what they have and saying, well, I I need that, I should have that. It's desiring what is unpossessable to us right now. And this is a trap I find most of us are easily can fall into, especially with social media now. Everybody's, look what I got, look what I have, look at this, look at that. We fall into this trap of constantly looking to others and desiring what they have. That should give us a spiritual check in our spirit and let us know what is it that we're desiring? What is our intent and motive? Why are we being driven by possessions? And there's nowhere that that's more true than in America. And sadly, I've had friends that we've welcomed into the country and I've tried to warn them and tell them, be careful, you're going to get caught up in pursuing the things. And they're working themselves to death trying to have things because now they have the opportunity to have things they never could have before that they'd seen from their old country. The opportunity presents an entanglement to us. And most of us who have grown up here, we don't even realize that that's reality. We pursue possessions that are nothing, that are going to get old, that are going to be destroyed. Think about a new car. Every new car. How many of them do you think gets a ding or gets scratched? 100% of them. Why? Because it's a possession. And we treat it like it's a status symbol. You know, at Carfax, I read this interesting statement about uh, new cars. Carfax, according to their study, a new car loses 10% of its value in the first month. 10% of its value in the first month. How many of us have bought new cars? I bought a new car. 10% in the first month. Here's a sermon for another time. We struggle with giving God 10%, but we unknowingly surrender to gods of this world 10% easily. Think about that. And every one of us, we don't have to look very far to know we've made some decisions that after the fact we regret because we find ourselves in bondage, whether it's paying for a new car, paying for a cell phone, paying for a computer, paying for a college degree. Why? Because we allowed ourselves in that time to get entangled 
entangled. I don't want to be entangled with the world. I want to be free. The third thing he said was the pride of life. The pride of life is all about me. Selfishness is the spirit of the age. Jesus Christ died for us so that we could be saved, but so many people just ignore that fact. Keep plowing into the world system. And if you think about, and you've ever read Revelation, it says that he's going to control, the Antichrist is going to control through the buying and selling of goods. Don't be tangled up. Don't get entangled. Don't be so tied to the world and in love with the world that you have no way to make a way out. You need to be aware. Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us and then ignoring it, it's as if someone stops to pull you and I out of a burning car wreck and they reach out with compassion and rescue us in friendship, and as they pull us from the car in return, what we do is we say thank you, and we turn and return to the car that's on fire. That's what being saved from the world is and returning to it. Temptation, desires, pleasures, all of the things that we spend in energy and finance and time pursuing those things are passing away. Isaiah 51 and 6 said, Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look on the earth beneath, for the heavens will vanish away with smoke. The earth will grow old like a garment. Old like a garment. Get home today and go into your closet. Try and find that oldest garment you've got. That's what the pursuits of the world is going to be like. When I got married to my wife, I had this t-shirt. I loved that t-shirt. It was the most comfortable t-shirt in the world. It was a t-shirt from 1996 when the Green Bay Packers won the Super Bowl. I'd had it a long time. I'd wore it all throughout college. It was my, it was my you know, that comfortable shirt that you go home and you throw on. For some of you ladies, it might be a sweatshirt. It's the one you're going to lounge in. This was that shirt. And we'd been married about two years. We were in a store looking at something. And I lifted my arm to point something out, and there was a big hole inside. I didn't even know it. My wife's like, you're getting rid of that shirt. She made me throw it away. I think. I may still have it, I don't know. But the whole world is like that. All of the stuff that we get so wrapped up in, that we're consumed with, it's like an old garment passing away. He goes on, he says, those who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever. My righteousness will not be abolished. His salvation and His righteousness is never going to pass away. But the world that we're a part of, our lives that we have here, all of this stuff, it is growing old like a garment and it's going to be discarded. It's going to be done away with. Nothing in this world is permanent except for the spiritual. Spiritual things are permanent. 
Your prayers, when you pray, even when you don't feel like God hears you and you feel like you're doing something and just spending your 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes or an hour trying to hammer a prayer out and get a hold of God and it doesn't seem like it's happening, you know what's happening with that prayer? It's going into eternity and it's forever going to be there. And whenever an angel in Revelation brings a censer, a vial of prayers and pours it out in front of the altar, that prayer is going to be in that vial. Eternity. Eternity. I'm talking about higher things than just the temporary pursuits of this life and this world. Mark 8, 38, Jesus said, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So let's talk about the things that abide forever because we've talked about all the things that are going to pass away. But I want you to understand the things that are going to abide forever. They're going to be here forever. What we do here in preparation for eternal life, that's going to abide forever. Your prayer life, that's going to be a forever thing. The time you spend in the Word of God, that's going to be a forever thing. The time that you spend bearing one another's burdens, that's going to be a forever thing. The, thing, the investment you make in your own character, that's going to be a forever thing. Those things will not pass away. We've gotten so out of balance in our culture. We invest in the things that are temporary. And we forget about the things that are eternal. Some of us need to hear this message. You're giving all of your thought, all of your time, all of your money to the present life. But indifference to the life of the soul, it's going to kill you. It's going to destroy you. Because it's infinitely more important. Will Jesus be ashamed of us? Will Jesus be ashamed of me when he comes in his glory? I pray not. I'm going to end with this, this story that I read. There was a swarm of flies and they gathered around a, a pot, a cup of honey, a uh, jar of honey. The jar of honey had fallen from the grocery store shelf and boom, hit the, hit the aisle and broke. Honey was everywhere. These flies, they gathered around and they would not leave that honey until every spot, every single drop of the honey that was there on the floor was not left. No one came to clean up the honey, so they stayed. After a time, the honey stuck to their feet and it stuck to their wings so that they could not fly away and they became stuck in the honey. The flies begin to cry out, what fools were we? For the sake of just a short hour's pleasure, we've thrown away our lives. It's what a lot of the world is. It's a short time of pleasure. If we get entangled into it, that short hour's pleasure turns into an eternity that's been thrown away. Is what you are doing with your life, are you investing your time, your energy, 
in things that will eventually destroy you? Are you being sure to make the biggest investment into spiritual things that will outlive you? See, Scripture teaches for greedy people. And how many of us would say we're greedy? No one ever admits, I'm greedy. Man, I'm so greedy. No one admits that. I'm serious. Go to work tomorrow and do a poll. Find out how many people think they're greedy. Here's the thing about greed and being greedy is that you're never aware of it. But Scripture teaches the greedy never know when they have enough. They never know when they have enough. They keep pursuing, keep pursuing, keep pursuing. Poll came out not many years ago. I think I referenced this a couple weeks ago. Wealthiest people in the, in the U.S., they were all polled and asked how, how long before they'd feel secure in their, in their money and their finances. These are the top percentage people in the world. And you know what the average across the board was? 25%. If I just had 25% more, I'd feel secure. You know what that lets me know? Whether I'm making a million a year, five million a year, 10,000 a year, I'll never feel secure. Because security is only in God. Surety is only in God. Things of this world can't give us what God can give us. And Scripture teaches that that greedy person will pursue and pursue and never know till they have enough. It's the fatness of life, the only thing that matters. And so they pursue it and they pursue it and they pursue it. History is covered and littered with people that they could not have enough. Alexander, one of the greatest stories of history I've ever read, the story of Alexander, he died in pursuit of adding more kingdoms to his kingdom and he conquered most of the known world. He could not stop. It was insatiable. If you'll stand with me. I have a very simple question today. Where is the majority of your time and your energy and your investment in life going? Is it to the things that are temporary? Or is it into eternal things? Is it really the weightier things that matter most? Or, or is it those things that are all going to be destroyed? Because we're only allowed so much. I have a, I have a day coming up in my life where I will be done. My life will end. And I have to invest what I have in that the time now I have to invest it in the things that matter. You have a day coming up in your future. You don't know the day. You'll have no more time left. You'll have no more energy left. You'll have nothing left to invest. I'm talking to us today. There are some temporary things that if we allow they'll, they'll entangle us we won't even realize we're in bondage until it's too late 
will pay a heavy, heavy price. Let's pray together for just a moment. God, you see every person that's here this morning. God, you see the things, the weighty things of this world that we allow ourselves to be entangled with. God, some things are heavy and they they require our attention. There are some things, Lord, that they're not, but we give our attention to them anyway. God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that your spirit of conviction would move into this place and begin to speak to people's hearts, minds, and their life. God, that we would take stock of how we're investing our time, how we're investing our thoughts and our energy and our relationships. Are we doing it for the kingdom's sake? Are we doing it for eternity? Are we so consumed with the temporary? Our bellies have become our gods that we don't realize we're working ourselves into destruction. God, I pray that you'd help us today. God, brings conviction upon our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. We take a moment and let the Spirit of God speak to us. Open up your spiritual ear and hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Take stock of your last week, your last month. What were the things that were consuming you? What category do they fall into? Are they eternal? Were they temporary? I'm not suggesting that there's not temporary things we have to invest our time and energy into, but I am saying that there are some things that we can allow ourselves to be entangled with that are not eternally beneficial. We need to be aware that there's two systems pursuing our affections and our love. The world system, God's system. Let's pray for just a moment.